Last week we began a new series of lessons that I've called Rooted, and we're thinking about how we grow deep roots in our relationship with God. And just as a plant needs roots for stability and nourishment, we need deep roots in our faith to stabilize our lives and ourselves and to get nourishment from God. And so we're thinking through how do we develop those deep roots, and we're doing that by looking at some passages from the Old Testament, from the Psalms, and allowing those Psalms to speak into us. And last week we looked at Psalm 121 and talked about the fact that God is worthy of your trust. And really that was step one in becoming rooted in our faith. And the thing is, as we look through these steps that we're going to be pulling through the Psalms, uh, the truth is we find that they're not just steps that we do one and then move on to the other and forget the first. These are things that run through our lives because we're constantly working on things like trust and we'll be working on the same kinds of things as we finish up today steps that will take us into the future as we develop these deep roots now one of the things that we think about when we're looking at passages from the old testament is that when we talk about the old testament some people begin to think well you know the old testament is just a bunch of rules and regulations right it's a lot of thou shalts and thou shalt not especially when we think of what we call god's law or the first five books of the Old Testament that we sometimes call the Torah, which is sometimes translated law. We call that the Pentateuch because it's five books, which is what that means. But it's all, we feel like God laying out rules for his people. You, you got to do this, you can't do this, and you got to keep all those 613 laws perfectly. And maybe... If you're like me, you've taken that challenge, you're going to read through the Bible, and you get about halfway through God's law, the Torah, and you go, I don't really get this. I don't really understand what any of this has to do with me, and I'm not even completely sure why God gave all these rules to his people back in those times, because why was he so interested in rules and regulations? Well, today... I'd like us to take a little bit of a fresh look at that and maybe see what God was at work doing among his people when he gave what we call the Torah or the law. Now, to do that, we're going to look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is sort of unique, okay? It's not like Psalm 121. Last week we looked in detail at those eight verses that make up all of Psalm 121. We are not even going to read all of Psalm 119 because it's 176 verses, okay? We're not going there, and I'm certainly not going to explain all that because I don't even know how to explain all that, okay? But we are going to look at one little section that I think speaks to us today, and, and we've sung a part of that already this morning. But before we do that, I need to give you just a little background on what this psalm is about, okay? It's, it's one theme, it's all about one primary thing, and that is the Torah. It's all about God has given this law, and you need to keep it and celebrate it. But even with that, it's about more than that, and we'll come to that in a minute. But Psalm 119 is very carefully organized, okay? If you look at it, what you find is that before each stanza, and there's 22 stanzas, there's a word, and that word represents a Hebrew letter, okay? So there's 22, 22 letters in their alphabet, and each stanza, 22 stanzas, is devoted to one of those letters. And what you find is if you could read it in Hebrew, which I can't, okay? But people can. 
And the first line, the first letter of each line in that stanza is that letter. So it would be like in English, you'd have eight lines begin with A, and then eight lines begin with B, and all the way down through the Hebrew alphabet, 22 letters, 176 verses. And what we also find is that there are eight words that describe God's law, sort of synonym for law, and at least six of those show up in each stanza. So six to eight words for God's law show up in every one of those 22 stanzas. Very carefully organized to say God has given us this law and we obey it. Okay? Now again, when we hear that, some of us might think, that sounds a little boring, right? Because God's law can be a little boring to read. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do this, much less keep all that. But I think as we read it, we find that there's a lot going on and God is trying to teach his people something that we can learn from as well. So let's jump in, keep an open mind and allow God to speak to us. So we're going to be in Psalm 119. As I said last week, Psalms is easy to find, usually right in the middle of your Bible. Open it up. There's the Psalms 119. And then we're going to go to verse 105. Now, Normally we're in verse 12 or something, right? We don't usually say 105, but that's where we start today. In the stanza, each letter begins with the Hebrew, each line begins with the Hebrew letter, noon. And here's verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. We just sang that. Now in our culture, it is very rare for us to experience complete darkness, right? Because virtually everywhere we go, there is some kind of light that is powered by electricity, right? So we, we are very rarely in complete darkness. Someone came out of first service and said, you know, I went to one of the caverns and they turned all the lights out and that was dark and I was a little afraid. If you've experienced that, you know what real darkness is, but we don't experience that very often. But in biblical times, when every light that was available at night was from a flame and you didn't want to waste any fuel for those flames, it was pretty dark. And if you tried to walk around, you could end up either hurt or lost. And when the Bible talks about life itself, a lot of times it uses the metaphor of a path or traveling. And what the, the psalmist is saying to us is, it would be pretty dark without God's word. We need a light because if we try to travel at night, we're going to either end up lost or hurt. And the light that we have is God's word. And it shows us how life should be lived. God's law shows us what God wants us to do. And that really is the best life for us. Now, what we find is that these people that wrote this, that, that wrote the whole Old Testament by God's inspiration were God's people chosen when they were slaves in Egypt, brought out of that slavery, then made into a people and given a land. And part of what God is doing in the law is saying, you are my people, and this is how I'm going to set you apart and to make you holy. It's not just a bunch of laws given for the sake of laws. What it is is God saying, this is how you become my people. This is how you separate yourselves from everyone else and show that you are my special people. This is how you are rooted in a relationship with me. Okay, Verse 106. 
I've taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Yahweh. This is a special name for God. Yahweh, according to your word. So the psalmist is saying, I've made the choice. I wasn't coerced. I wasn't forced. God didn't make me do this. I chose to follow God's way, God's law, God's path, because it is the best path. It is the path that I need to follow if I'm going to be part of God's people. And it's not always going to be easy. In fact, there are going to be moments when it is difficult, but I'm going to choose God's path anyway. Okay? Then in verse 108, we begin to make a slight turn that's completed in 109. So these two verses I want to hinge, uh, are really the hinge around this whole psalm. So verse 108, accept Yahweh the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Another word for law there. Now, what we find there is that the psalmist is saying this isn't all just about rules and regulations. Okay, this is also about worship. So what's he saying? Okay, you know, the people of Israel worshiped primarily at the temple, right? You bring your sacrifices, you offer them to God, that's worship. But the psalmist is saying there's something more. Yes, we take sacrifices to the temple in Jerusalem. But ultimately, worship for us is bigger than that. Worship is us as the people of God taking our lives, not just when we go to the temple, but all of life and devoting it to God. And the way that we do that is the law. We follow the law because we are giving God our lives by following the direction he's given us so that we can be his people. You see, God is calling his people out. And when they follow him, they worship him. Verse 109. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The psalmist is saying, I I've given you my life in worship, okay? I've said, I've taken this vow, I'm going to follow God's ways, I'm going to follow his rule, his law, all these words that, that describe God's law, okay? But there are times when I take it back, when I take my life in my hands. I've given it to you, God, but I take it back because there's something I want. And I know it's not consistent with your law. I know it's not consistent with following you, God, but I take it back because there are things that I want, even if I know they're not right. But the psalmist says, even in those moments, when I know I've blown it, when I know I've made a mistake, the end of that verse says, I will not forget your law. And that word there is Torah. Even when I've strayed away, when I've taken my life back into my hands, I'm going to turn it back over to you, God. And what we find is that even though we might think that this word Torah means law, and it can be translated that way, what it means at its core, the best translation is something like teaching or instruction. It's telling us who God is and what life and how life works. We might think about it like this. Back over in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy itself, that word means second law. It was a second giving of God's law. Okay, Moses laying out the law for God's people once again. Rules and regulations, yes, but this is what we find in Deuteronomy chapter 1, 
Verse 5, the beginning of this story of the second giving of the law, east of the Jordan, in the territory of Moab. So this is before the people get into the promised land. They're on the opposite side of the river, the Transjordan, the other side. Moses began to expound this Torah, this law, saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. And if you're reading your Bible, you know that's not what it says, is it? He says, let me expound the law, the Torah, but he doesn't give a law. It's a story. And what we find is that sometimes instead of the law being a rule, a regulation, a thou, sh <clears throat> a thou shalt, thou shalt not, what we find is the Torah is story. Torah is, this is what God did for his people. Torah is, this is how God called his people out of slavery. How he formed them into a people. How he called them to holiness. How he gave them a land. The Torah is God's instruction, both in terms of rules and in terms of story. And in this way, God forms his people into a people. Which is just the opposite of taking my life in my own hands. You see, the psalmist is saying, well, what I want to do sometimes is act in self-interest. What I want to do at times is gratify my own desires. But I know my self-interest and my self-gratification ultimately leads to my self-destruction. And in those moments when I take my life in my hands, I also remember your Torah, your teaching, your story, your call, the fact that you have made me holy. The stanza ends with these three verses. Verse 110, the wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts, another word for law, your statutes, here again another word, are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Your law is a joy. My heart is set on keeping your decrees, one more word for law, to the very end. The wicked ignore it, the wicked don't care, but the people of God are drawn into this story, to these rules, because they create us, they make us into the people that God wants us to be as individuals and as a community. So if that's what this said to this ancient people, what does it say to us? What does it say about being rooted into a relationship with this God who created us and called us to be his people? It says because, because we want to follow God, we follow God's word. Because we want to follow this God who has called us, we follow his word because that's what what transforms us, what makes us into his people, just like these people in the Old Testament. But how does that work out? For us as the church, what does that mean? What does it mean for us to be rooted deep in God by following his word because we love him so much? Well, first of all, God's word means something different to us than it meant to the psalmist who wrote there in verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet. That, that word has been expanded. Well, in a couple ways, actually. John chapter 1, 
John spends the first 12 verses of his Gospel writing about the Word. And what does he mean by that? He says God's Word all right, is involved in creation, involved in creating His people. And it's not just story. It's not just rules. It's Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that we're talking about here in Psalm 119. Everything in the Torah points forward to Jesus. It is the ultimate fulfillment of God's Word. And so we have God's Word in human form showing us what life should be like and speaking to us about how God has made us holy and made us into His people. So God's Word is Jesus and you know, we have 27 books that they did not have when this psalm was written. In fact, much of the Old Testament wasn't written yet either. But, but we have 27 books that we call the New Testament that contain the story of Jesus' life, the story of the early church, the teaching of the apostles, the, the prophecy that we find in Revelation, all that are part of God's Word to us, God-inspired Word to us, forming us, and telling us the story and making us his people. So what do we do with that? If God's word is there to, to help us grow deep roots in him, what do we do with it? Four things quickly. First of all, study, right? We have incredible access to God's word that people who came before us would have only dreamed of. I mean, we literally can carry it around wherever we go because we have devices that have access to multiple really good translations of God's Word. We have it with us almost all the time. We have access to the printed Word in ways that people have not had in the past. And in economic ways, in study Bibles, in very nice ways, all this is available to us. And we can have it all, but if we don't ever open it, it is of no use to us, right? We've got to actually read it. So let me encourage you, if you're not doing that, to make it a habit to start now. To read it every day. It doesn't have to be a lot. Maybe just a few verses that you can focus in on. But actually study it because God has given us His Word, both in terms of story and what He's called us to do, to form us into His people to make us something different. Second, discuss. You know, that's when we have small groups, right? Because we need each other. No one of us, including the person who stands up here and talks every Sunday, has it all figured out. We have things that we can learn from each other about what God's Word is saying to us and how we live it out. We need each other in this process. So we need to study and we need to discuss it. And third, we need to apply it. We need to think about, okay, what does this mean for, for how I actually live. How, what does this mean for the way I treat my family, my friends, how I do my work, how I spend my money? All this, there's something to do with it, right? Now, we're not responsible for those 613 commands that we find in the Old Testament because Jesus has fulfilled them in the new way, but certainly because of Jesus' teaching and the teaching of the apostles, we are called to live in a new way. And and what we find is, in the same way that the Psalms called people out of self-interest, out of self-gratification, and ultimately self-destruction, God's Word teaches us a new way to live even now. And even though so many people in our world are focused in on how to fulfill their own desires, God calls us to something higher. He has called us to be holy. 
Now, we don't do that on our own. The power of the Spirit is at work in us. And certainly Jesus on the cross makes us holy, even though we don't always feel that. But God's Word continues its work in us to make us holy if we study and discuss and apply and then forth live. We are called to live it out, to do something with it, to allow it to affect how we live our lives. So, here's God's Word. Available to us. God's message to us, not just as individuals, but as he forms us into a people, his holy people. If we want to be deeply rooted in this God who created us and calls us, we've got to follow his word. And here it is. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for your word. Just as the psalmist speaks his thanks for your word and talks about the power of it, we agree. We're thankful for your word that you've given us that forms us into a people and makes us holy. And help us to put it to work in our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and continue to worship.